Good morning. Will you please stand and sing with us our call to worship from Psalm 80? Restore us, O God. Stir up your might and save us. Restore us, O God. Stir up your might and save us. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Restore us, O How long will you be angry with your people's prayers? Have you fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure? You make us an object of contention for our neighbors, and our enemies laugh them among themselves. like to invite my family to come help me light the Advent candle. This week we light the first Advent candle. This candle reminds us of the hope of God's promise 
witnessed to by the prophets. In days of exile and uncertainty, the prophet Isaiah cried out, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and causes water to boil, Come down to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations might tremble at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. In the midst of our own uncertainty and our longing for deliverance, we wait in hope for Jesus calls to us, stay awake. You do not know when the owner of the house will come back. We light this candle in hope, the hope of our coming Savior, Jesus. Come then, Lord Jesus. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together. Peace. 
Please be seated. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence this morning carrying so many things, pains and joys, hopes and regrets, pride and shame. We bring them all to you in worship. We lay them at your feet and wait upon you. You who have no peer on earth or in the heavens, who created all that is and provides for even the birds of the fields. In the face of the hate and greed that divide people and feed destruction, we wait upon your justice and ask that you chasten the hate and grasping in our own hearts. Soften our hearts that we may attend to the needs and sufferings of our neighbors near and far. For those of us who feel the decay that plagues our world and our own bodies, or who mourn the loss of loved ones, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, friends and neighbors, remind us that you are the author of life. Lord, help us quiet our minds and humble ourselves before your word and be made new by your spirit so that we may rejoice in you, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Children are dismissed for children's worship. Uh, we will now continue our worship uh, with the time of confession. We will first do so corporately um, through word and then through song and then have a time for silent personal confession. We are exiles, O God, because we have each in our own way chosen our, our own path away from you. We are hungry for wisdom and knowledge because we have too often substituted our judgment for yours. We are lost in need of guidance. Come, Lord Jesus. Forgive and restore us, guide and deliver us, teach and renew us, we pray.
please take a moment for a silent personal confession. Father, we thank you that you meet us in the poverty of our spirit, the mourning of our sin and frailty and promised blessing. We rest in the promise of that blessing that our failures do not and cannot surpass the di your desire for us. May we know that truth and rest in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. Um, as we have been welcomed by our Lord and Savior, let us welcome one another.
The New Testament lesson is from 1 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 9. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Gospel lesson is from Mark 13, 24 to 37. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Uh, Thank you, Natalie, for reading uh, from God's Word. We're going to look at traditional uh, Advent passages uh, over the next uh, few Sundays as we lead our way uh, to Christmas. Um, We're going to look at a passage from Isaiah 64 in just a moment. Before we read that, I was going to say I I received an email yesterday, December 2nd, and with with the subject line, it's saying, it's crunch time. It's crunch time for holiday shopping. I was like, is the first couple of days of December really crunch time? I don't know, but it created stress for me. Maybe I've missed out. It's already crunch time. Well, I, maybe you can relate to some of that, whether it's you know, getting some shopping done or different activities that you want to do or that you have to do. But we know that this time of year often brings a flurry of activities and contrasting emotions. We are eager and overwhelmed. We are moved, but also find ourselves maybe indifferent. We're connected, but we also feel alone. And and part of this flurry of activity is that, you know, Christmas seems to always kind of be creeping forward, that we need to be, you know, giving our attention to certain shopping or certain activities. 
And so as we think about that, I want us, as we begin Advent, to think about a bookshelf, if you will, for a moment. This might be a strange image, but if you picture a bookshelf and there's no bookends, right, what happens to the books? They fall down or they, they kind of slide down the shelf. Maybe you've had that in your home or in your room. The book, the book end, if you put the book in there, it holds up the books. It stops them from spreading. It might be a little bit strange, but I want us to think maybe for a moment of Advent, the season of Advent, as a bookend that stops the celebration of Christmas coming at us right away. It's a bookend that creates space for us, space to anticipate, space to reflect, space maybe even to think about our longings, how we wish things were different. Advent means coming or arriving, and it's been the season in the church to contemplate Christ's birth and to reflect on the promise that he will come again to make all things new. And the church has historically found Advent a helpful way to be liberated from competing visions about what our life is or what this season is. And the busyness of events and stuff to give or receive Advent offers us a chance to remember that we're part of a different and larger story. One way that Advent creates this space, one way it's kind of like this bookend that holds things, one way it invites us to different stories is through hearing the hopes and longings of the ancient Old Testament prophets, prophets like Isaiah. The banner behind me comes from that hope or vision that there was a stump, there's only a stump, but the vision, the hope that one day that stump will become a new tree giving off life and fruit. And we find something similar in our passage today, that Isaiah cries out with hope and longing, God, oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. I wish, Lord, that you would open the doors and come and draw near to me. So this type of cry invites us into something that we don't necessarily associate with Christmas, right? It invites us to think about our longings, our cries, our hopes. So let's look at our passage. This is Isaiah 64, verse 1 through 9. You can follow in your order or your Bible, or just listen as I read. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. 
There's no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look. We are all your people. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as we look at this passage and reflect on kind of the cry of Advent, this cry of hope and longing, I want to ask two questions today. The first question, what, what is this cry? What is this cry that we just read? And then the second question is, why join it? Why should you or I add our voice to it? So let's start with this first one. What is this cry? Well, we heard God tear open, God rip open the heavens and draw near. And there's a couple of things we can say when we ask, what is this cry? And the first one is that this is a cry of longing for things to be different. It's a cry of longing for things to be different. Isaiah spoke during difficult times. The people that he was speaking to, they felt great economic pressure. They felt military and political oppression. In the midst of such fear, our passage opens with a deep cry to God. And it's not just the opening lines, but the the whole passage, the Hebrew words are abrupt and they are disjointed. Maybe we can picture or remember a time where we felt such strong emotions that the rate in which we spoke or even getting the words out was challenging for us. It's hard to control your words because of the deep feelings that were happening. That is what's happening in this passage. This is the cry of one who knows heartache, one who knows dissatisfaction, one who knows what one author calls the no, the no of life. And we've all encountered this, the no in circumstances that were powerless to change, the know that when we, we desperately want things to be different for us or maybe different for someone that we love. The know when we come face to face with our failures of, of what we've done and we see the consequences. Or the know in which we feel the, the hurt of how other people have treated us. Or maybe it's simply the know of looking around and seeing a world in which we wish things were different. We wish that there wasn't such violence and such profound brokenness, but we don't know what to do but feel overwhelmed. Our passage invites us to to see or to imagine that no, those no's of life as a door closed, that we pull, that we knock, but it's closed to us. And Isaiah's vision gives us language to speak to God. Tear down the door. Rip it open, God. And it adds not just that longing, but a longing for things to change, or even for there to be confrontation. Come down and make your name known to your adversaries. Let them see that there is a power at work. Because when we long for things to be different, sometimes that appeal includes confrontation or just a longing for change. We see that here. Come confront the way things are. 
Confront those who oppose you, God. Come down that your adversaries may see your face. And this cry contains a series of images about confrontation and about change. Did you notice them? Shake the mountains. God, shake even that which seems unmovable. God, tear apart the way things are, even when it seems that there's no way in which it can be different. Break apart the ways and the plans and the expectations of this world. Fill the brushwood with fire. God, burn, burn the tangled undergrowth of our lives. Burn that which is holding things that let me be free. Let it be opened up. Let there be a path that becomes clear. Move the calm waters. God, make the pot boil with your fire. God, stir what is unmoved. Stir it up. See, it's giving us language, language that God's people need to be able to cry out to their God. Tear open. Make things quake. Kindle and boil. These are all ways of asking God to come and to make things different. These are serious things. But it's worth us even asking, though, as we begin Advent or think about this passage, what comes to mind? What comes to mind for you? What have you found yourself crying out to God about? Or what things would you give voice to if, if you would? What needs to be shaken? What needs to be opened up or stirred to life, whether in you or around you? What is this Advent cry? Well, it's a longing for things to be different, but uh, it's a second thing that we can see. It is a cry. It's an act of faith. It's an expression of hope. And that's partly why it can be hard to give voice to these things. Right? This is a cry that's beyond our boundaries, our means, our control. And that's why, along with the cry, Isaiah remembers what God is like. From of old, no one has heard, no one has perceived by the ear or seen by the eye a God like you. And what is this God like? He is one who acts for those who wait for him. No ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who work for those who wait for you. If we're honest, we know this to be the case, that waiting and faith are deeply connected. Waiting and faith are deeply connected. Because waiting highlights our longing for things to be different or our inability, our need to look beyond ourselves and our resources. There's an author named Joanna Harader, 
And in thinking about this connection between waiting and faith, she talks about the word, the depths, the depths that we see in the Psalms. In Psalm 130, we hear, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. The Hebrew word here, the depths, is connected with this deep and kind of mysterious and dangerous waters. It's used very vividly in Psalm 69, save me, O God for the waters have come up to my neck. She writes, perhaps you have never been stranded in a dangerous body of water, but I imagine you have been in the depths, those places where our own efforts seem profoundly limited or futile. It's out of these depths that we cry. We cry because that is what we can do. If anyone, anyone will hear us from the depths, it will be our God. We wait and we cry, we wait and hope. That's what Psalm 130 says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in him I put my hope. I don't say those things or highlight those things slightly. It is a serious invitation to join and to hear these cries. To acknowledge that you long for things to be different and to acknowledge that it requires a waiting and a hope that's beyond yourself and your resources. But that is what this cry is. Language to speak to our God, asking for change and waiting in hope. So we ask what this cry is. <clears throat> and the second question we can ask then is, is why, why join it? Why add our voice to this cry? And there's two things I want us to see or to hear. The first, we join this cry. We should join it <clears throat> because it affirms a truth about us. It affirms a truth about us. The French uh, philosopher Simone Weil she writes this about the human soul. The soul knows for certain only that it is hungry. The important thing is that it announces its hunger by crying. A child does not stop crying if we suggest to it that there is no bread. The child goes on crying all the same. The danger is not that the soul should doubt whether there's any bread but that by a lie, it should persuade itself that it's not really hungry. It can only persuade itself of this, that it's not hungry by lying. Do you hear that? The soul is hungry, and even if there's not bread right there, we cry out for it. And the one way that we deal with that or try to deal with it is to lie and tell ourselves that we're not really hungry. We don't really long. The soul longs for things such as God. We join the cry because God gave us a hunger for him, 
for connection, for what is good, for forgiveness and for renewal, for life. It's in our passage that the righteous, the righteous are described as those who remember. Those who do not deny their hunger or their cries, but remember them and speak them to their God. The righteous ones remember. But we have sinned, says Isaiah. We have been in our sin a long time. We have been in our forgetting a long time. Meaning we have stopped waiting, stopped crying out to God. We have forgotten. We join this cry because it is true about us that we long. We long for our God and for him to be at work in our life. And we also join this cry because it says something true about God. We cry because it invites us to remember that our sin and our pain and our longing, our hunger, the nose of life are not the only facts. There is another truth to remember that God is the father of his people. For we're not just any people, but Lord, we are your people. Isaiah reminds us that the God of Israel is different from all other gods. Not only does he act for those who wait for him, but Lord, you do not simply possess power and authority, but Lord, you are our father, our loving parent. And we are sinners and we are prone to forget. But we're not just any people. Lord, we are your people. And this Father has shown us his love by opening the heavens and coming down in Christ. And Advent reminds us of this truth and invites us to direct our hopes, our longings, our cries to remember this God who has acted and promises to act again. As we close, do you see how Isaiah describes himself and us? He uses the image, one, that we are unclean, that we're like you know, grease-stained rags. Imagine trying to clean a table or a window with such a dirty rag. But he also says that we're like faded leaves, dry leaves scattered, blown here and there by the winds. Thinking, if I can just get hold of this, if I can just please this person, if I can just have a little bit more than things will be settled. In contrast to the wind and to the waves, the Old Testament uses the image of the rock over 60 times. Over 60 times, God is declared the rock, the rock of Israel. We are like scattered leaves blown here and there by the wind, but our God is described as a rock. And reminds us this day as we even dare think about our longings or dare give voice to what we hope would be different. That our reason for hope, our reason to even voice them, the reason to remember is not our activities or our accomplishments, but it's our God. The one who describes himself as our father and we are his people. As Isaiah waited, as the people waited, 
they clung to this, that unlike other gods or powers, the Lord our God, our good Father, will act for those who wait for him. And this image of the rock is transferred to Christ. In 1 Corinthians, we hear that there's no other foundation besides Jesus the rock. And in Ephesians 2, that Jesus himself is the cornerstone upon which everything else is built. Let us remember. Let us remember not only our hunger and our longing, but remember the rock that is not moved. The rock that says that we are his, we belong to him. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the invitation for us to be honest. We pray, Lord, that we would find rest, even in our discontent and in our hunger, that we'd find a place of rest in you, Lord, the one who can receive those things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together.
everlasting Father. By your word, you teach us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. As we wait, help us to trust your faithfulness as we sing. be seated. Well, having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. This table is a gift from our God, and it reminds us of uh, an important truth all the time, but especially during this season, that our gift of life, the gift of being seen and loved, the gift of being forgiven and brought back into God's family, these are all things that God has given to us. They're not things that we have secured. They're not things that we have kind of put together a good enough resume to kind of get a hold of for at least for a little while. They are gifts. And we are invited to live in light of this gift, that God has given you the gift not only of life, but that you are adopted as his son and daughter, connected to him in Christ now and forever. This is the gift that we hold dear and that we hold on to even as we long and wait and hope. If you know that gift, if you know that God has acted for you in Christ in that way, then come and eat and drink of this table. Be reminded. If you do not know that gift, let this table be an invitation. Let it be a witness to who God is, that you're not alone, that God has acted for you in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table, and we thank you for this bread and cup, and we pray that you set them apart, and that by your spirit that you would meet us here, that you'd grant us your presence to minister to us, to encourage us, to meet us even in the places of hopes and longings that we were too afraid to speak out, that are so part of our hearts and our souls. Lord, meet us in those deepest places of hunger and longing. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Those who are participating in communion, I invite you to come down the center aisle and receive the bread and the cup. And if you're able to hold the elements, I ask that you would do that. You could take them back to your seat and go back on the sides and hold them until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink together as one family. 
If you're not participating in communion today, we're glad you're here. We still invite you to come down We can the, the aisle. Just put your arm across your chest, and Pastor Brian or I can offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward now, and then let us come and receive the gifts that God has for his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let's drink in faith. I invite you, if you are able, to stand and that we can join together in prayer and song. Jesus, our Savior, we rejoice in your promise that the day of our salvation is near. Keep us faithful in love and watchful in prayer so that we may stand with confidence and joy at your coming. During Advent, uh, we have uh, usually picked a mission partner that we can uh, intentionally kind of support and be connected to. And so you'll see in your order that uh, Anna Worley is going to come up and share about True Light and ways that we can be part of that over the next few weeks. Good morning. My name is Anna, and I've worked closely with a ministry called True Light Child Care Project for over a decade now, and Lincoln Square has been um, gracious and generous to be mission partners with us for, I don't know, probably like five years now, and every year at Advent, one of our um, goals is to raise enough money to buy clothes and um, shoes for the 240 Ethiopian children that we minister to, so our ministry basically makes sure that these children from the age of kindergarten all the way through university or trade school or whatever they decide to do, um, have what they need for their education and also medical support. But over the years, our um, brothers and sisters there who are staff have become um, really spiritual guides for a lot of these families. And so, um, so many families um, and children come to our um, facilities to for prayer and support um, because they're facing a lot of really difficult things. So we um, are really thankful the Lord's given us the opportunity to provide care for the whole child and not just um, for the physical aspects, but for the spiritual as well. So um, you will see in the back, there's something that I call a tree, but it looks kind of sad. And I, maybe I should do something different next year as I'm looking at it now I'm thinking, that thing looks really sad, but it's a tree, and on it is um, ornaments with um, pictures of children who are, are children, or now they're becoming young adults um, that are a part of our program. And if you are interested in purchasing shoes for um, one of our students, you may take their picture, and um, the cost is fifty dollars um, for the children that. 
the congregation um, purchases shoes for, the missions team has committed to match that gift to provide the other $50 to, for clothing. So um, I will be in the back and be happy to share more about our ministry or answer any questions you have about the Christmas giving project. I'm going to invite Roy to come forward. Roy is part of the mission team and is going to offer a prayer uh, for this uh, project and for this work. Yeah, thanks, Roy. I'm going to mention a couple other things in prayer as well. Um, TLC received a land grant from the government of Ethiopia last year to uh, get some property and be able to build their own compound. So I want to include that in the prayer as well. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do uh, pray for this child sponsorship program. We pray for your grace and mercy on all the young people involved in that. Lord, that uh, those who are believers would be strengthened in their faith. Those who are not would be turned to you as well as their family members. And Lord, pray that you would uh, open the hearts of your people that know about uh, this program to uh, contribute, especially at this time of year, but, but all year long as well. And we pray for your blessings on the TLC staff as they do the tutoring and, and many of the other uh, services that they offer to these young people. And Lord, we pray as well for the leaders of TLC as they consider this land grant and how to build out a compound there, that you'd provide all the resources that are needed and give them wisdom uh, for how to best do that. And Lord, we uh, just thank you that we can come to you with these requests, and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Roy. Well, we're going to continue our worship through a time of, of giving, of our offering. And so I um, want to invite the, the greeters to come forward. They'll have a, a, a gray basket you can put your communion cup in and a silver offering plate if you'd like to give a gift. Um, you can also give, uh, you can see in your, in your order online or by text if you're interested in doing that. But I want to say again, welcome, especially if you're uh, joining us for the first time. We're glad that uh, you're here. And uh, just a reminder to everyone that there is coffee and bagels after the service right in the hallway behind me. If you go in the, out these doors, uh, you have a chance just to spend some time together and enjoy some coffee or bagels. Also, if you're sitting in the center aisle, I want to invite you to uh, reach under your chair and, and, pull, and find that black uh, information pad. You can fill it out and pass it down so you know who you're worshiping with. If, if you would like to learn more about the church, you know, feel free to mark that out, and I'll be happy to follow up with you. Uh, also, during this time of, of the offering, I'm going to invite uh, Will Atkins, the bass player and the head of our finance team, just to give a, a quick reminder as the end of your giving. So, Will. Okay. Thanks, Chad. Good morning. Uh, like Chad said, my name is Will, and I am uh, part of the finance team here. Um, and just wanted to come before you guys and, and ask to consider giving an end-of-year gift to the church. Um, we uh, Typically, what we see is that the month of December makes up about 20% of our annual giving for the year, which is, if you do the math, about three times what an average month would look like. Um, and so it's an important part of our planning. Uh, for the ministries and programming that we want to put our resources towards. Our fiscal year ends in March, and so soon after December, we will uh, start planning for the next fiscal year and, and, uh, and where we want to use those resources. So this is an important time from a financial perspective for the church, and we just ask you to think and pray about um, whether, whether an end-of-year gift is something that, that you'd like to do. I know 
people are probably getting hit up by a lot of other organizations and people at this time of year, so we don't want to add to that burden, but just would like to ask you to think about that. Um, you can give an end of year gift the exact same way as that Chad just mentioned for a regular offering, so those are, those are listed in the bulletin as well. But if you have any questions, feel free to ask me. Thank you. for the doxology.
receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. May go in peace. Thank you.